0: Oh, God, we hear a prophet calling. We hear the prophet's calling. Prepare the way of the Lord. You did that 2,000 years ago. Could you do it all over again? As we move into Scripture for these few moments together, ignite our minds and our hearts with your two gifts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. So this last week I found myself, of all things, reading the Jerusalem Post, the newspaper, online. I wanted to gauge the response in that ancient city to the announcement of the president of my country that, in fact, he believes Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, and thus the embassy of the United States needs to be moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem which apparently is a rather contentious, a rather controversial uh, proposal, and which, of course, we will leave alone wisely. But I then imagine myself, okay, so if I were in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago and reading the Jerusalem Post, what would it be like? The fact of the matter is, whether you liked it or not, it really was the fullness of time. We just noted that reference. It really was the fullness of time back then. I want to run them by you. Seven. Seven realities of life in society and culture before the Messiah's first coming. And since you're running through this list of seven, ask yourself mm, could it be these seven are in place again? Let's check them out, all right? Just jot them down in your mind. Reality number one the entire Roman Empire is in a 200 year period of peace, they called Pax Romana. The peace of Rome, right? Some are calling it today Pax Americana. Whatever the condition in Americana is now, there is a prevailing peace on this planet. So that's, uh, that's factor number one. Here's rea- reality number two. That part of the world 2,000 years ago was at peace under one government. They were. It's the empire. Well, we're not under one government today, I understand, but, again, that peace, and maybe there'll be a one government someday. Who knows? Reality number three. 2,000 years ago, there was one universal language. No matter what your mother tongue you read and spoke Greek. 2,000 years later, there is one universal language, and it is... It's English, yeah. It's because Americans can't learn anything else, and so we're stuck (laughs) with that. All right. Reality number four. Travel by land and sea 2,000 years ago was relatively safe. It is still, 2,000 years later, relatively safe and relatively instantaneous. You can get there from here in a matter of hours, anywhere. Right? Here's reality number five. Holy Scripture was available in the Greek language. It was called the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament. And you could read the Bible anywhere in the empire. Guess what? The Bible is in practically every tongue on Earth today. You can do the same. Here's reality number six. 2,000 years ago, ooh, people were dissatisfied with the state of the world and the culture and religion. There was a numinous emptiness. The human soul longed to fill, but people didn't quite know where to turn. I'd say in 2,000 years, nothing's changed, right? And here's number seven. 2,000 years ago, the Jews were dispersed everywhere, like Coca-Cola. They were in every hamlet, every village, every corner of the Roman Empire. So if God wants to do something big, all He has to do is reignite the Jewish faith. Read Messiah. And then when they come to the holy days, as they faithfully did, they go home to wherever home is, and in a matter of days, that message goes to the entire empire. Today. I suppose God has a handful of friends here and there around the planet who could be His delivery system, but even more significantly, God does have a mechanism today. It's instantaneous at the speed of light. We're talking about the Internet. We're talking about uh, social media. We're talking about radio. We're talking about television. We're talking about standing in line at the checkout counter at Walmart, because that's where I read the National Enquirer, where, where nobody sees me reading. I just kind of scan the headlines. What's happening? But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Could it be the world is once again in position, not for the Messiah's first coming, but could it be the landscape has been shaped for His second coming, but in the fullness of time? Let's take a look at that line. Because even more important than that line are the two gifts immediately behind it. Take a look at this. Did you know there were two? Open your Bible to Galatians chapter 4, please. Galatians chapter 4. I'll be in the New International Version. Whatever translation you brought, bless you. Galatians chapter 4. You didn't bring a Bible at all? Pull the pew Bible out in front of you or share with somebody sitting beside you in the choir. Galatians chapter 4. And by the way, choir, that was just very well done. Never heard that before in my life. It's beautiful, beautiful. For this season. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 But when the set time had fully come, that's how the NIV renders it. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, verse 5, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, folks, that, that is Paul's version of the Christmas story. That's it. It's not very long. I timed myself 13.75 seconds. You can read through that story, those two verses. But you know what? Paul's got one... Paul has one up on half of the Gospels. A lot of people think that all four Gospels tell the, the story of Jesus' birth wrong. Not a word about it in Mark. Not a single line about it in John, except for the Word became flesh. But that's not story. That's theology. Matthew and Luke are the only tellers of the birth of the Savior. Paul does it more than Mark, more than John. 14 seconds and one line long. And, oh, boy, does he pack it into that one line. You think about it. Look at it. We have God. Yep. Number 1, Paul, Paul has God in the story. Number 2, Paul has God's son. Number 3, he has a teenage virgin. Number 4, he has the birth. Number 5, he has a son coming to save sinners. He uses the word redemption. And number 6, The sacrificial death of the son with seven thrown in, and that is, it's going to make a difference in your life when this story comes to be. But you know what? If all we had was just Paul's, we didn't have any gospel, we just had Paul, we'd have enough for the gift of Jesus. We really would, because Paul's already talked about Jesus here in Galatians. You remember Galatians 2.20? I predict you can repeat this out loud with me, even from the old King James. Maybe you learned it as a kid. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me in the life I live. I live... Now, here it comes. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's the deal. He loved me and he gave himself for me. He was the king of the universe. Can you believe this? Comes down to this dark, dismal, this bleak planet, and he comes down as Emmanuel. He said, "I'm, I'm God with you. I'm one with you. I'm here. The king. Now, the whole nation. We don't have royals in America, but America really goes gaga over the, ro- the uh, royals, and you know. Don't pretend like you haven't been following this story. Prince Harry is going to get married. You've been following that story. What's her, na- what's, her, what's her name again? Meghan Markle? Would that be it? Come on, put the picture up of Harry and Meghan on this. Oh, look at that. She's awfully attractive, I'd have to say myself. But there he is. Prince of England, and there is his fiance. Whoa, and presumably they will stand in the probably in the um, oh, it would be Westminster Cathedral in London before the Archbishop of Canterbury, and he will pledge his devotion and lifelong adoration to her, and she to him. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? The royal, a royal falling in love. With a commenter, and by the way, keep this keep the screen up because two years ago, for the French magazine Elle, I think that's it, she gave an interview, but this was long before the engagement, and she noted to the world that in fact she is a biracial child. She has a father who is white, and she has a mother who is African American. And that's now being blended blended with the pure royal lineage of Prince Harry? Yep. A royal falls in love with a commoner. It's the stuff of fairy tales. Hey, by the way, it's the stuff of the gospel. The royal in the universe falls in love with a planet of runaway children. <clears throat> and he says, I'm going I'm, I'm to be bound to you by a tie that can never be broken. The royal and the commoner. I love the way Steps to Christ puts it. Put it on the screen for us, please. By the way, you can get the study guide. You don't have to fill it in, but the quotes are yours to take home. They're in your worship bulletin right now. Steps to Christ on the screen. He who is one with God has linked himself with the children of men by ties that are never to be broken. Keep reading. When Christ took human nature upon him, he bound humanity, that would be us commoners, to himself. There's the royal, by a tie of love that can never be broken by any power save the choice of man or woman herself. You can make the choice. I don't want to be tied to you. Nope, let me go, and you may go. This is the gift that God gave to you and me when He sent forth His Son, born of a woman. And what difference does that birth, that life, that death, that resurrection, that ascension, that promise of the Messiah's second coming, what difference does that life, does all of that make for you and me? Paul says, are you kidding? It makes all the difference in the world. Paul talks about adoption. Did you notice that? He talks about adoption. He's the only New Testament writer to link salvation to adoption. And when he talks about adoption, by the way, every reader of Galatians, and they're in the Roman Empire there, Every, the moment you say adoption, bingo, they know. It's a, adoption is a huge deal in the Roman Empire. Carl Cosart, in his stirring little one-volume commentary on the Book of Galatians, points out, listen to this. During the first 200 years of the Caesars, the emperors of the Roman Empire... Only three of those Caesars actually inherited the throne. The rest of them were all adopted by the previous Caesar and put into power. So when you talk about adoption, it's a very big deal in the Roman Empire. In fact, the, two, the three Caesars, Claudius, Titus, and Domitian, the only ones, everyone else, adopted into the royal family. Carl Cosart on the screen. What's the, deal? What's the big deal about adoption? Keep, keep reading. Adoption was a legally binding agreement that guaranteed a number of privileges. Here they go. Number one, the adopted son became the true son of his adoptive father. Number two, the father agreed to provide all the necessities of food and clothing. Number three, the adopted son could not be repudiated. Number four, the adopted son could not be reduced to slavery. Number five, the natural parents were never allowed to reclaim the adopted son. And, and number six, adoption mandated the right of inheritance. Wow. All of that when you got adopted. It's a huge deal for Paul to say you've been adopted into the royal family of the universe. Let me tell you something. When Karen and I adopted our two kids, Kirkie and Chrissy, do you know at one time? No kidding. At one time. There was so much legal rigmarole that we had to go through that we had hired three lawyers, count them, three lawyers in three separate states, all battling for us to get this petition through the courts to an official yes to the request for adoption. Adoption is a very big, permanent deal, and it has to be done right. Trust me. And, of course, that's Paul's point. Because of Jesus' death in our place on Calvary, the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me, no matter what the contesting devil has to say, yo, you can't, you can't have him. You can't, you can't have her. God signed His adoption papers in blood. You have already been chosen. God already knew you were coming, and He said, I'll take him. I'll take her. I'll take them. I'll take, I'll ta- I'll take you all. My, oh, my. Adopted by the royals with all the attendant rights thereof. Isn't that something? And what does adoption mean? What does it mean? Watch this, because the plot only thickens. Here we go. Let's read the the passage through, all the way through, and then we'll find out what it means. Verse 4 again. And when the set time had fully come... God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So, verse 7, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. God has made us heirs, adopted heirs into His kingdom. And did you catch that? Not with one gift, but with two gifts. Two gifts. Because first, God sends us His Son. That's Paul's language. He sends us His Son. And then did you catch that? He sends us the Spirit of His Son. So, first, we have the Bethlehem of the Son, and that would be be Christmas. Then we have the Bethlehem of the Spirit, and that would be Pentecost. Two gifts. When you're adopted into the family of God, Two gifts, but it's the same. Hold on now, hold on. It's the second gift that is proof that, in fact, you've been adopted. Gift number two. You said, Do I don't say anything about proof that I've been adopted into God's family? I beg to differ with you. Read verse six again. Come on. Verse six. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Now, Jewish children who spoke Aramaic. Jewish children, they all did, would call their daddies Abba. That was a term of endearment, Abba. And you don't need a course in linguistics to know that any child anywhere on this planet, the first sounds a child makes tell me this is right or wrong. The first sounds a child makes, it's uh because they don't know how to put their lips together and make the sound. It's just an ah 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 I love to hear my kids going uh it's just uh. But when they learn to put their lips together to make b b b b b it's just a natural call of a child. in America the kids say "A, pa 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 pa. Oh, no, sorry. It's mama, mama, mama. mama. <laughs> Why do I always think Papa comes first? Actually, it's harder to say Papa than it is to say mama, mama, mama. That's the point. And by the way, Jewish students, when they had, they, and this is university, when they're particularly feeling affectionate to one of their sermons, of one of their professors rather, uh, before exams, they have this warmth of a feeling. The Jewish students would actually call the professors Abba. Excuse me, Abba. I have a question on what you just lectured. Abba, Aramaic. Jesus himself spoke Aramaic. But Jesus is the first person on record to call God Abba, as he does on that dark and desperate night in Gethsemane. Abba, Abba. Abba, Father, I beg of you, The cry of a child to his daddy, and by inserting it right here, Paul is powerfully linking that language, the language of Jesus in Gethsemane, he's linking it to every adopted child. Now, here's the proof. If the Holy Spirit is in you, and He inside of you calls out, Abba, Father, and you address the Father, Abba, Father... Paul says, that's proof. You you are. You You have taken the term of endearment only used by Christ for God, and you now have prayed that name. You're in the family. Our Father who art in heaven. You pray that prayer. You're in the family. Wow. Abba, Daddy, Father, and there they are, our Abba Father's two gifts, two of them. Two gifts to the human race forever and ever. Amen. Bethlehem of the Son, we got it. Bethlehem of the Spirit, we got it, but both gifts. He sent His Son, and then He sent the Spirit of His Son. Now, John Whitley, professor of worship up at Calvin College and Seminary. We quoted from him last Sabbath. Let me put his words on the, on the screen for you here. Very, Very perceptive. Here they are. Here are two missions, two gifts, two experiences of grace. God sent His Son, and then God sent the Spirit of His Son. The first gift arrived in Bethlehem. The second arrives deep within the souls of believers. The first Christmas gift came then and there. The second comes again and again in the here and now. Indeed, every single time anyone anywhere professes Jesus is Lord, we can be grateful for the work of the Spirit, the two greatest gifts in the universe. God sent His Son. God sent the Spirit of His Son. In English... Look, at it. this is American English, all right? I don't know if it's English English. This is American English. It might be from overseas and it might not sound familiar to you, but in English, when you have two gifts for the price of one, you call it a twofer. Let's put that on the screen. You call it a twofer. That means two for the price of one, right? A twofer. Right here, in Paul's tiny little Christmas story, is embedded the greatest twofer in the universe. Two for the price of one. Because when Jesus shows up, guess who he talks about? All he can talk about is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, guess who he talks about? All he can talk about is Jesus. I mean, you would think these two had something going, which, of course, they do. What they have going is their unrelenting, undying love for the likes of you and me. For God so loved the world... Never forget this line. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son and His only Spirit. That's the gospel truth. A twofer. A royal twofer. Two for the price of one. You get them both. Because I love you. And so when Gregory Boyd, as we noted earlier this semester, when Gregory Boyd, in his book Present Perfect notes this line, My life is Christ, nothing else really matters. Really, put this on the screen for you, really, you can he, can... he is saying, My life is the Holy Spirit, nothing else really matters. Because when you have the one, you have the other. And when you have the other, you get the one. It's God's royal twofer. You want to see how it works? This this is dynamite. Ellen White on the screen, please. When the Spirit was poured out from on high, that would be Pentecost. When the Spirit was poured out from on high, the church was flooded with light, but Christ, Christ was the light. When the Spirit was poured out from on high, the church was filled with joy, but Christ was the subject of that joy. When the Spirit is poured out upon God's people in this day, here and now, Christ's name will be upon every tongue. His love will fill every soul. And when the heart embraces Jesus, it will embrace God, for all the fullness of God dwells in Christ, the royal twofer. They both show up. You can't get one without the other. Impossible. You can't have one exclusively. I don't need the other. Never will be done. Twofer. The royal twofer. And when you get both, by the way, when you get this twofer, hold on to your pew. You get it all. You have everything God has to offer. I'm serious. I'm as serious as a heart attack. Let me put it on the screen for you. Desire of Ages. Look at this. The whole treasury of heaven. What's that word before treasury? Say that word out loud. What's the word before treasury? The whole treasury. The whole treasury of heaven is open to those the Father seeks to save. Having collected the riches of the universe and laid open the resources of infinite power, He gives them all, A-L-L, all. He gives them all into the hands of Christ. And he says to him, all these are for man and woman. Use these gifts to convince them that there is no love greater than mine in earth or heaven, and that their greatest happiness will be found in loving me. You get the whole treasury of heaven with that twofer. Is that good news or what? Is is that good news? Come on, tell me. Is that good news or what? Please. You get everything. Uh... Then why are we so dull not to ask for the everything God has promised? come on, we we just penny it out. God, oh, God, I know this isn't a big deal to you, but could you give me... I want this for Christmas. We can have the whole universe, and we're asking for pills. Why don't we ask for more? I like the way Brendan Manning put it, by the way. He's absolutely right on the screen. Everything has been given to us, confirming uh, desire of ages. Everything has been given to us by the Father in Jesus. All we need now is to experience what we already possess. Come on, you already have it. You already got it, boy. Girl, you have it. Now experience what I've given to you. I've given it all to you. Did you say Jesus is Lord? I did. Welcome to the family. Everything I have is yours now, and nobody can take it away from you. Stay with me, girl. Stay with me, boy. Stay with me. I'm going to give it all to you. God's great royal twofer. And you know what? This is the last Sabbath of the semester. That's my deepest desire and prayer for you, and I'm praying it for me, too. And that is that you and I would simply experience what we already possess. We have it already. It's not like you've got to wait. How long does this take to get here? It's already here. You have it. The gift of His Son and the gift of the Spirit of His Son are already ours. That's why every new morning we ask for the daily, the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. You say, Dwight, that's really a complicated prayer. Are you Are you serious? I'm going to put the prayer up. Will you memorize it? It's only going to be on the screen five seconds. Please memorize this in five seconds. Baptize me today, Lord Jesus, that I might be filled with Your Spirit. Amen. That's it. Let's it Let's do it out loud together. Baptize me today, Lord Jesus, that I might be filled with Your Spirit. Amen. Let's do that one more time, out loud. Baptize me today, Lord Jesus, that I might be filled with Your Spirit. Amen. The royal... Hoofer that brings every other gift in the universe is yours right now. I want to end with this story. Brendan Manning tells a story about the, the golfing great Arnold Palmer. You've heard of Arnold Palmer? Died just a year ago. He was he was he was moving through a series of exhibition games, matches in Saudi Arabia. And the king. Of Saudi Arabia was so impressed with Palmer that he calls him up after the, the exhibition matches are all over, and the king proposes to give Palmer a gift. I'm going to give you a gift. You ask for it. Palmer <laughs> politely demurs. It really isn't necessary, Your Highness. I'm, I'm just honored to have been able to play here in front of you. But the king insisted, I would be deeply upset if you would not allow me to give you a gift. Palmer thinks quickly on his feet, and he says, well, you know, King, just a little, just a club, a golf club. Give me a club, just as a memento of my time here. Give me a club, please. The next morning, at Palmer's hotel, the title to a golf club was delivered. We're talking about thousands of acres and trees and lakes and sand traps and a clubhouse and everything. You did ask for a club, didn't you? You did ask for a club, didn't you? And then, Brendan Brendan Manning, here's the moral of the story. Put it on the screen, please, so that we'll never forget it. The moral of the story, in the presence of a king, don't ask for small gifts. I am a king. You are, oh God. I'm the king of the universe. You are, oh God. Then why don't you ask me? Don't give me this piddly stuff ask me, I'll give up the half my kingdom for you, child of mine." God's great twofer. So why don't we, all for this holiday and into the new year, ask the king, not for little gifts, let's ask him for the biggest and bestest gift of all, his twofer. What do you say? Ah, let's pray. Oh, God. Forgive us. We, we think so small when we could have the universe. Oh, and I, you know my heart. That is exactly my problem. You, Dwight, you just think too small. But in this sh- short little 14-second Christmas story, you have unpacked the universe for us and emboldened by the thought... We, too, in the presence of our King, do not wish to ask for small gifts. We wish to have the best gift of all, your twofer. Please, in the name of Jesus, grant us the Spirit. Grant us them both. Let all the people say, Amen and Amen.